Well, it's obvious this morning we're going to talk about Thanksgiving since uh, this Thursday we celebrate a national holiday that we call Thanksgiving. I just thought it would be appropriate for us to look at what God's Word has to say to remind us to do exactly what that video just told us we ought to be doing in the first place. And uh, it might amaze you how much God's Word has to say to us about this matter of being thankful. So that's what I want us to look at this morning. It was funny in the first service, uh, this morning we have, you'll have the uh, PowerPoint uh, up on the screen, there's no notes. I was told numerous times, in fact, I told the early group I was encouraged to know that people missed it. But a whole bunch of folks told me, there is no title to your sermon. There is no notes in our bulletin this morning. And I'm glad to at least look at it. They know that. Well, I told them there was a reason for that. And the reason for it is this. I want you just to listen. That's the old-fashioned way to do it. If you want to jot down some verses along the way, I hope you'll do that. But I just pray this morning that you won't focus so much on the note-taking, maybe as you will, and just listening to remind us all of one of the most important attributes that ought to be true of our lives, and that is this matter of being a thankful people. So that's what we're going to look at uh, this morning. I was looking this past week for an illustration to open the message with. I found it. I don't remember exactly where I found it. I, I saw a number, uh, copied them, didn't particularly note where this one came from. So I, I don't know who to give credit for just telling you it's not mine originally, but it fits pretty well what I want to share with you this morning. And if you'll forgive me to make sure I tell the story right, I want to read not only the short story, but I want to read the author's comments about the story that he wrote. And this is, this is what it says. Two old friends met each other on the street one day. One looked sad, almost on the verge of tears. His friend asked, what has the world done to you, my old friend? The sad fellow then said, let me tell you, three weeks ago, my uncle died and left me $40,000. Wow, I'm sorry to hear about your uncle, but that's a lot of money, replied the friend. But you see, two weeks ago, a cousin I never knew died and he left me $85,000 free and clear. Again, his friend replied, sounds to me that you've been very blessed. You don't understand, he interrupted. Last week, my great aunt passed away. I inherited almost a quarter of a million dollars from her. Now, the man's friend was really confused. Then why do you look so miserable, my good friend? The man's friend then looked at his friend and he simply replied, this week, nothing. <laughs> now some of y'all get that about the time it's time to close the service this morning. But isn't it interesting how we can all be like that sometimes? In fact, the guy who wrote the story, shared the story, went on to write his comments about it. This is what he said. That's a problem with receiving something on a regular basis. Even if it's a gift, we eventually come to expect it. The natural tendency is that if we receive a gift long enough, we come to view it almost as an entitlement. We feel hurt, even angry, if we don't receive it any longer. It's the same way about the blessings God gives us every day. I don't deserve my comfortable home that I live in the beautiful scenery around me, the clean water I drink. But after receiving these gifts and a multitude of others, for many, many years, I sometimes failed to be grateful. I've come to expect these good things. And when one of them is removed for a short time, like water or electricity or the internet going down, I get upset. Let's make, he writes, an effort today to recognize the blessings we've come to take for granted. Focus on what we have rather than what we don't have and see if it doesn't improve our attitude. So what about you this morning? What are you thankful for? The attitude of thanksgiving or as one person once framed it, the attitude of gratitude is one of those essential attributes that must be present in our lives. 
It must be present in our lives if we're going to live our lives in a way that's honoring to the Lord. I'm going to talk about that for a few minutes this morning. And it really has to be present in our lives if we're going to be able to live life and enjoy it like God intended for us to enjoy it. A thankless person is a miserable person. And when you learn the attitude of gratitude, it changes your very outlook on life itself. And God makes it very, very clear in his word that we're to be a thankful people. One person has rightly said, life without thankfulness is devoid of love and passion. Hope without thankfulness is lacking in fine perception. Faith without thankfulness is lacking in strength and fortitude. Every virtue divorced from thankfulness is maimed and limps along the spiritual road of life. Uh, Billy Graham once put it as simply as Billy Graham could put it, but as powerfully as Billy Graham could put it. He said, a spirit of thankfulness is one of the most distinctive marks of a Christian whose heart is attuned to the Lord. And I believe he's exactly right. And you know, it's an amazing thing when you read through the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament alike, it is amazing how much God has to say to us about being a thankful people. Time and time again in his scriptures, he not only speaks of those who gave thanks to him, but he encourages, exhorts, challenges, commands all of us as his people to have the attitude of gratitude flowing from our hearts and our lives. As you read through the Bible, you'll find words like thanksgiving, gratitude, giving thanks, thankfulness, grateful, gratefulness. All of those words used to express this same truth about our being a thankful people. And all of these words point us towards God's command to be a people who constantly give him thanks for his many blessings to us. Uh, I could probably take the rest of my time this morning and just stand here and read one verse after the other, after the other, after the other to you that speaks about the matter of thankfulness in God's word. I won't do that this morning, uh, but I am going to read a lot of words, to, uh, verses to you. In fact, let me just give you a sampling of some of those verses real quickly. You, again, might just want to jot these down. I don't think you'll have time to turn to all of them as I'm reading them, but just listen. Psalm 92 verse 1. The psalmist says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2. O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Psalm 100, one of my favorite psalms in the book of Psalms. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And his faithfulness to all generations. Twice in some 100. He tells us that we are to be a thankful people. Go to the New Testament. Paul writes in Ephesians 5 verses 17 to 21. He says, so then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then he tells us about God's will for our lives. He says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. And then he writes, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then in the book of the Revelation, as John looks ahead in time and he sees the saints of God gathered before the very throne of God. He sees the saints giving God worship and praise. But he also sees the saints of God giving God something else. 
Revelation 7 verses 9 to 12, after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and tribe and people and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands and they cried out with a loud voice saying salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. And listen at what they declared to the Lord. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And that's just a sampling of the verses that I could stand here and read you this morning. So this is what I'm gonna do with my time uh, this morning. This is part of the reason I didn't have your notes, even though some of this will be on the PowerPoints if you wanna write it down. I'm gonna do two things. Number one, I'm gonna make seven statements to you this morning about Thanksgiving and what the Bible teaches us about this matter of giving thanks. I'm gonna start all seven statements out with a question, did you know, did you know and then after we go through those seven statements, we're going to close uh, the message today a little differently. And you're going to participate in what we're going to do. I'm going to have each of you come up and preach one minute sermon from the pulpit. So I'm going to give you about 20 minutes to think about what you're going to say. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But I'm not kidding in the fact that we're all going to close in a very special way of pausing and giving thanks to God. And uh, I hope I'll be able to help you do that maybe a little bit more effectively uh, this morning. So let me begin this morning by just sharing some statements with you that the Bible makes that teaches us about the importance of Thanksgiving. I think this will be a challenge to all of us this morning. Statement number one, did you know, did you know that it is the will of God for God's people to give him thanks? Did you know that it is God's will for you and for me to give him thanks. And it certainly is. And God makes that clear in his word. He wants his people to be a thankful people. He teaches us that time and time again. And not to express thanksgiving both to God and really to your fellow man. It's to live outside God's perfect will for our hearts and our lives. And to fail to give God the thanks that he deserves is to live outside God's will for your life and for my life. I read two of these verses a moment ago, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. Paul again writes and he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And then he says this, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You don't have to doubt it. You don't have to wonder about it. You don't have to ask about it. It is God's will that we are a thankful people. And notice that he says, in everything, give thanks. What about Ephesians 5 that I read a moment ago? Uh, verse 17 and then verse 21. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then he, he goes on down on those verses to describe, at least in part, what God's will is for our life. And verse 21, he says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even the Father. Always giving thanks for all things. Please note in both of these verses, we are commanded to give God thanks for all things in everything. Now, you know, it's not hard for us to thank God for the good things, is it? I mean, good things happen. We have abundance. We have blessings. Uh, it's not hard to say thank you. At least it should be hard, maybe for some people. Uh, God blesses all of us. And when life is good, when life is going well, when things are going smoothly, it's real easy to say, God, thank you. But you know, the real test is when things aren't going quite so well. When life throws us a curveball, when there's bumps in the road, sometimes when life gets hard, how do you give thanks to God? He, he tells us here, it's his will 
that we thank him for everything, always giving thanks in everything. How is that possible? Well, I'll answer that question by simply say this. You have to do it in faith by all means. But you know, it's amazing how God works through every situation of life. And it, we can find, if we're looking in the right places, we can find something to be thankful for. Uh, we're not to be thankful for the bad things that come our way. That's not what God means by that. When something evil happens to us, something wrong happens to us, we're hurt by somebody, something difficult comes our way, we're not to be thankful so much for the event itself. But we are to be thankful for God's grace. We're to be thankful for God's provision. We're to be thankful for God's work in our hearts and our lives. Thankful for what God's going to teach us. Thankful for God's sovereignty, his care. All these things, if you look in the right place, there's something even through the difficult times of life you can be thankful for. One of my uh, first commentaries that I ever learned to use as I was learning how to use commentaries many, many year, years ago, was a set of, uh, and probably many of you have this one, Matthew, Hen uh, Matthew uh, Henry's commentary. Y'all remember him? Uh, if you've got a set of commentaries in your house, chance pretty good you've got his. And though he wrote many, many years ago, and because he wrote almost in another time than ours, some of his writings are a little difficult to read and understanding. But the truth that he's sharing uh, is, is, is timeless and it's classic and he helps a lot. Well, he was making commentary about this, answering the question, how can I give thanks in everything and for all things, even when bad things happen? It so happened in his life one day, he was coming home and he got robbed by some thieves. He later in his diary was thinking about, all right, how can I be thankful in this situation? And this is what Matthew Henry wrote. He hit the nail on the head. This is what he wrote, I quote. Let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, Although they took my all, it wasn't much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Hey, he found something to be thankful for, even in the midst of a very difficult event. Hey, folks, it's God's will. Every one of us, if you're a saved, born-again believer in Jesus it is God's will for you to be a thankful man, a thankful woman, a thankful young person. That is God's will for us. In everything and for all things, give thanks. Second statement this morning. Did you know? Did you know that the Bible teaches us that thanksgiving is more acceptable to God than giving other costly offerings? That's a long statement. But it's an important statement. Listen again to it. Did you know? that the Bible teaches us that thanksgiving is more acceptable to God than giving other costly offerings. Now let me explain what I mean. Uh, we, we tend to think of offerings as that of giving money and certainly uh, that's one way that we can give offerings uh, to God and it should be a part of our giving to the Lord. But there are many types of offerings mentioned in the Bible. But God makes it clear that he is most pleased by the offering of thanksgiving. Did you know that? Over in Psalm 69, verses 30 and 31, the psalmist frames it this way. I will praise the name of God with song and magnify him with thanksgiving. And it will please the Lord better than an ox or a young bull with horns and hoofs. Well, this scripture tells us that God is more pleased with an offering of thanksgiving than he is in this case in an animal sacrifice, which was a very common offering to God back in Old Testament times. Now again, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be making the other offerings because God does require those of us. But it does teach us how much emphasis God puts on this matter 
of giving him an offering of thanksgiving and how important it is that we are a thankful person. And it also teaches us about the spirit in which our offerings should be made to God. That is in a spirit of thanksgiving to God. I mean, a few minutes ago, you had, you had an opportunity to, to give God a financial offering. And I realize not everybody gives every, every week. I don't give every, Robin, I don't give every week. We usually give a month, sometimes uh, once every two months. But however you give, whenever you give, do you do it with thankfulness in your heart? Well, a lot of people, I got to give the church some more money. Well, that's a good attitude, isn't it? By the way, first place, you're not giving it to the church. If you're giving it right, you're giving it to the Lord. You're just giving it through the church. There's a difference. But do you, do you have thankful spirit? Are, are you thankful when you give? That, hey, God's blessed me with so much. Thank, I'm thankful I have the ability to be able to give to God. I'm thankful that I can give a portion of what he's blessed me back to him. I'm thankful that I can give to be a blessing to others. I'm thankful that I can give to be able to share the gospel around the world. I'm thankful. Or do you give it grudgingly? The reason the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. By the way, that's verses in Corinthians. In the Greek language, that word cheerful means hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. When was the last time you just broke down and had a good laughing fit when you gave an offering? That's the attitude. And the attitude ought to be that way, not to laugh at it, but that ought to be the overjoy of our heart. We give out of a gra attitude of gratitude as we're able to give back to the Lord. But again, the Bible teaches us that thanksgiving is more acceptable to God than giving of other costly offering. Statement number three this morning. Did you know that the Bible teaches us that thanksgiving is one of the primary evidences of the spirit-filled life? In other words, if you're genuinely filled with the Holy Spirit of God, one of the evidences, not the only one, but one of the clear evidences is that you will be a thankful person. Paul explains that again in Ephesians 5, 17 to 21. Don't be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But, he says, be filled with the Spirit. And then he begins to give evidences of a person who was filled with the Holy Spirit. They will speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody with their heart to the Lord and here it is always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God even the Father. You show me a person who is not a thankful person and I will show you a person who is not filled with the Holy Spirit of God. All five of these verses point towards evidences of a spirit-filled person. Thanksgiving is part of that when the Holy Spirit is in control of our lives it will be evidenced by a thankful heart a thankful tongue and a thankful life you know when the flesh gets in charge of your life and you're filled with you well that's when bitterness and anger yeah you've been around a person that's just negative uh, you ever you, you said you're sitting by them is that what I heard somebody say I didn't oh no I, I didn't have you ever just been around a person that they looked at everything sideways? And if you were around them 30 seconds, they were going to be critical. They were going to be negative. They were going to find something to complain about. Gripe. Do you know what? A person like that cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. They are. They're filled with the flesh is what they are. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Thankfulness is going to flow from you. You can't have a mouth that sprays forth bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and all those things that I just mentioned and a mouth that gives forth praise to God and thanksgiving at the same time. It doesn't happen. And if you're filled with the Spirit of God, you will see it in a person's thankfulness. Number four this morning, do you know that thanksgiving is necessary, is a necessary element for our prayers to be answered? 
Did you know that Thanksgiving is a necessary element for our prayers to be answered? And I'm not going to stay here long. We just got through doing a long series on, on prayer. But I do want to go back to one verse we looked at, Philippians 4, verse 6. And Paul writes and he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. And then he puts this parameter around that. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. A thankful person. God answers the prayers of thankful people. Now that would just make sense, wouldn't it? I mean, why in the world would God want to continue to answer prayers of people who are not thankful? Now think about it from your standpoint. Think about it as a parent. Think about it as a, an employer. Think about it through all aspects of life. When, when you do something for a person, regardless of what that might be, don't you appreciate them saying thank you? You might not always expect it. You might not always look for it. But when they go out of their way to come back and say thank you for this, thank you for that, whether it be a, a note, an email, a card, or a verbal response, thank you, doesn't it make you feel good? And whether you want to admit it or not, doesn't it make you want to do more maybe for that person? When they express thankfulness to you? Well, how do you think God feels? Now, I realize God doesn't have the same emotional makeup that we do. Thank goodness he doesn't. But how do you think God feels when you ask for things over and over and over and he's answered you and you've never come back to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done for us. A spirit of thanksgiving must be present in our lives if we want God to answer our prayers. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Paul tells us. Statement number five this morning. Did you know that the Bible teaches us that giving thanks is just a good thing to do? It's just a good thing to do. I love how the psalmist, uh, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think the first Thanksgiving I was here, I've been here now for 22 Thanksgivings. Um, <laughs> not quite that many. But I think, I think the first sermon I preached to you on Thanksgiving, I think I preached from Psalm 92, I don't remember. But uh, it's interesting what, how he frames it. I'm going to read the first four verses of that psalm to you, but it's really the first verse I want to focus on for a minute. And he says this, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare your loving kindness in the morning, your faithfulness by night, with the ten-string lute and with harps, with resounding music upon the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. And I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. That first part of that verse is what I want to focus on a minute. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. And it is. You know, it's an amazing thing when you learn uh, to, to dig God's Word. One of, one of the ways that you can find deep meaning to spiritual truth in the Word is to learn how to research and come to an understanding of words. Words are important. Words paint pictures. In our Bibles today, they are in English, at least most people's is in English, at least in here today. They might not be other places, but they've been translated primarily for, for us from the Hebrew language of the Old Testament and the Greek language of the New Testament. Now there's, there's Aramaic in there too that you have to consider. But when you, learn, when you learn to research words in the Hebrew and in the Greek, and even if you don't know those languages, we're blessed today with tools that will help you do that. When you can find the meaning of certain words, it just explodes. And I mean explodes the meaning. Hebrew, for instance, is a very picturesque language. A word in Hebrew can paint multiple pictures for us. And oftentimes, to understand a word, it helps you to better understand what God's trying to teach you in a truth. Now, I say all that to make this point out of Psalm 92. The word good that is used is such a word. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. 
And that word good is a loaded, loaded word. Please understand this morning in the Hebrew language, this word good can be properly translated to mean either or all of the above or the following. Pleasant, beautiful, lovely, delightful, convenient, joyful, fruitful, precious, sound, cheerful, kind, correct, righteous. It can mean any or all of those things. So we should give thanks to God because it is a pleasant thing to do. It is a beautiful thing to do. It is a lovely thing to do. It is a delightful thing to do. It is a joyful thing to do. It is a precious thing to do. It is a kind thing to do. And it's just the right thing to do. That's why it's good to praise God and to give him thanks for all that he has done for us. Two more statements and then we'll close this morning. Sixth statement is this. Did you know? Did you know that failure to give God thanks grieves the very heart of God? It grieves the heart of the Lord Jesus. Now you might not have stopped to think about that. But we have examples of such in the scriptures. That when God does something for his people and we fail to thank him, it grieves his heart. I take you to one story in the Gospels. We see this so clearly depicted for us in the Gospel of Luke, the 17th chapter, verses 11 to 19. We read a very familiar story. Jesus heals the 10 lepers. Let me read it to you. While he, Jesus, was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 leprous men stood at a distance and met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Boy, there's a boatload right there. As they were going, they obeyed his word. And as they went in obedience by faith, Jesus healed them. And again, there's a lot that we could unpack there. Then it says this. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and fell on his feet, giving thanks to him. And the Bible says this, he was a Samaritan. In other words, he was a Gentile. In other words, he was a heathen. By the way, in the present conflict, people from Samaria and Gaza are the same people group. Just put it in that context. But here's this heathen that comes to his senses and he comes back to Jesus. I mean, my goodness, these men had been ostracized. They had been expelled out of the community. We don't know how long they had been out there, but probably had been out there a lengthy period of time. Back in those days, you had to separate those with leprosy from the rest of the village or the rest of the people or others might contract it and come down with that same horrible disease. They could have been away from their families and friends for years and years and years. All of a sudden, they heard Jesus was coming, this man they had heard about, this man who had been healing all over the Galilee. And as Jesus walked by, they got his attention. They called out to him. The Bible doesn't tell us what they said to him, but I can only imagine they were crying out, Lord, have mercy on us, heal us. Would you touch our lives? Would you heal our bodies? And Jesus healed them. He told them to go show themselves to the priest. The Bible says, as they were going, they were healed. You can imagine the joy that was in the hearts of each one of these 10 men with great excitement. They were headed, number one, to show themselves to the priest and then, number two, to their families. But one Samaritan stopped, came to his senses, came back to thank Jesus for what he just did. And I want you to listen at what Jesus said. 
and what Jesus said to him. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. You can hear the hurt. You can hear the surprise. You can hear the disappointment. You can hear the grief in the very words of Jesus. Where are the other nine who were also healed? Now, folks, let me, let me tell you what. If you don't get anything else out of that story, let me tell you what we all ought to get. When God answers prayers for us, do you thank him? I mean, when you were praying for that sick family member that maybe was at the point of death, God supernaturally healed them. Did you thank God for what he did? You had a financial need that you prayed about, prayed about, prayed about, and all of a sudden God provided for that financial need in an unbelievable way. Did you stop to thank him for what he did for you? You're at a crossroads of making a major decision. You're very confused in your own mind and way of thinking. You've prayed and you've asked for wisdom from God. God, show me what I'm supposed to do. And God, by his grace, has given you direction and he's shown you what you are to do. Have you, have you ever gone back to thank him for giving you the wisdom to make the right choice? You've been traveling. You've asked God for grace, mercies as you traveled. He got you there and back safely. Did you stop to say, thank you? Were you like the one man who came back to give thanks? Or were you like the nine who just went on their way and never came back to give Jesus the thanks he deserved? Last statement, then we'll close our service this morning. I'm going to tell you this before I give it to you, though. This one might surprise you. I have to tell you also, this one's tough. In fact, this one, this one is quite um, hard. It's actually very harsh. But folks, listen to me. If there's anything today that depicts the world that we're living in, it's what I'm about to say. Uh, we, don't, we don't like to talk about what I'm about to talk about in our culture. It's not politically correct. We don't like to do this. This is not, we like, we like to talk about the love of God. We don't want to talk about the other side of God and his wrath. We don't like to think about that. But I got news for you. You better think about it. Because if you understand God, you understand, yes, he is a God of love. But folks, he's a God of love to those who receive his gift of salvation. He's a God of love to those who receive him into their hearts and their lives. And they trust him in their life and with their life. They've submitted their lives to him. And they've yielded all that they are to the, with the one God who's the Lord of all creation. And uh, to, to, to him, uh, to them, he is a God of love. But let me tell you what, to those who have not done this one of these days, they're going to have to stand before Almighty God who is a holy God. And they're going to experience the wrath of God. Paul talks about that in Romans 1. Romans, the book of Romans, the greatest theological theses in all the Bible. Paul talks about the first four chapters of Romans. He talks about the lostness of the human race. How we all, because of sin, fall short of God's glory. All of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. That's why Paul goes on to say in those verses, none are righteous, none seek after God, none uh, have a heart after God. Sin has perverted our hearts. Sin has corrupted our minds. Sin has doomed us all. We've all sinned and fall short of God's glory. Well, thank God he doesn't stop after four verses, four chapters in Romans. He goes on to the fifth chapter. He starts talking about salvation. And then he goes on into the other chapters. And he talks about sanctification of all that God does for us in Jesus Christ. But he reminds us of the lost state of the human heart outside of God's grace. Well, we've lost that in our culture, too. We think we're all fine. We think we're all God's children. We, we can live like the devil, but God's still our father. Verse 18 of Romans 1, Paul writes, 
Boy, this is, this is, this is, this is powerful. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them for God has made it evident. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly understood. Being understood through what he has made. So they are without excuse. In other words, Paul is saying this, by virtue of what God has created, man ought to know there is a God. A person will never be able to stand before the judgment seat and say to God, God, we did not know you were there. The most arrogant display of pride in the human heart is for a person to say, there is no God. Or I don't believe there is a God. Paul writes and he says, hey, all you've got to do is look at God's creation and you've got to know a God did that. You're without excuse. And one day, those who stand in such a way will see and experience the revealed wrath of God. And then he goes on to say these words. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God. And then he adds this. Or give thanks. They didn't thank God. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. They did not honor him as God or even give him thanks. Here's the picture of a proud, arrogant person who does not even realize that the very breath they have for this life is a gift from God. Ungratefulness flows from their life. And the wrath of God will be revealed to such a person. Hey, that's how important thankfulness is. And it's really thankfulness in many ways that truly shows that we know who God is and that we appreciate his goodness. Um, that's my sermon. We're not through. That's just the introduction. Now we get to finish. It won't take as long to finish as it does to preach it. But now you're going to have to put it in practice. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I wish I could start over here with Eric and go all the way around the building and all the way up in the balcony, all the way back here in the choir loft. I wish we could take a microphone, hand it to every one of you and give you a minute to stand up to share what you're thankful for. That would be the best way to do it, but I, I, don't, I don't think we want to do it that way. I don't think you want us to do it that way. We'd be here for quite a while. So we're, we're going to do a group project. For the next just few minutes, I'm going to ask nobody to leave. I'm going to ask nobody to get up and move about. I'm going to ask that you take this very serious. For the next just few minutes, I want you to have a pretend box, if you would, around you. And in that box is nobody but you and God. Don't, don't worry about the person to your left, right, behind you, in front of you. This isn't about them. This is about you and God. So for just a few minutes, you and God here in this private space, and I want you to be thankful to God. And as we begin to pray and as we express, I do it in your own heart because it would be difficult to do it if everybody did it out loud. But just as a time of worship to the Lord, I'm going to walk you down a short list of things that I want you to give ex expressions of thanks to God. 
it, it, these are things we all ought to be thankful for. You can't give express thanks to God for these things. Boy, you really need to think about your heart and think about your attitude of thankfulness. But these are things we all need to give God thanks for. This is not an exhausted list by any means of the imagination. There are other things we could add, but this is how we're going to finish today. And as soon as I get through, I'll close us in prayer. Elsie's going to come back and lead us in a closing song, and we'll be through this morning. But I want us just to finish today by doing exactly what I've been preaching on. I want us to give God thanks. Can we do that? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. Just you and God. Just you and God. Let's start by giving God thanks for our faith. For our faith. The Christian faith, the gospel. In other words, thank God that he loved you enough that he sent Jesus into this world to die on the cross so that you might have eternal life. Would you give God thanks this morning for your salvation? For the fact that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to die for you. And if you can't say that this morning, I pray before you leave this service today, you'll come today and give your heart and your life to Christ, that you'll meet him as your personal Savior. So just thank him for your faith. Would you thank God for your family? Thank God for your husband or your wife if you're married. Thank God for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Thank God for your parents who brought you into this world. Thank God for the family lineage that you're a part of and that you've been placed into. And even if your family situation is not all it should be, would you at least take the moment to give thanks in everything and still express your thanks for those and ask the Lord to make you a witness to those around you that maybe need his grace very, very greatly. Would you thank the Lord this morning for your friends? While one of God's greatest blessings to us is to give us godly friends that will support and encourage us in our walk with the Lord. And while you probably have many friends, would you just think of one in particular for just a moment and particularly thank God for that person. Thank you for the way they've impacted your life. Thank you for their friendship. Thank you for their support. Ask the Lord to make you a friend to them in the same way. Just give God thanks for those that he's brought into your life that have impacted your life in such a mighty way. Here's another one. Would you thank God for your finances? In, in Deuteronomy 8.18 it tells us, but you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who is giving you the power to make wealth. And while you might not have as much as you would like to have, it is God who has blessed you with all your material blessings and provided you with money so that you can have food and clothing and shelter and all the other things that we have. And although you might not have an abundance by the standards of this world, we all have an abundance who live here in America. Would you just thank God for his provision? Don't take them for granted. Would you thank the Lord for your freedoms? And I'm thinking about primarily here the freedoms that we experience living here in the United States of America. And while we have our problems, the Lord knows we do. He still blessed us in the land of the free. Pray for your country. Thank God for it. Pray God changes it. But thank God for the privilege of living here. And then thank God for the freedoms you have in Christ. Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. True freedom is only found in him. Two more and we're finishing. Would you thank God for this fellowship? 
By that word fellowship, I'm referring to the church, this church, your church. God has brought you to be a part of this local fellowship. And while it's not perfect, it is his church. And we should be thankful that God has placed us here so that this church can be a blessing to us, can challenge us in our walk with him, gives us a place to serve him and his kingdom here on this earth. Be thankful for it. And then last but not least, would you be thankful for the future, for God's future for you? And for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the best is yet to come. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 tells us, But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and have which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has provided for those who love him. And Lord, we do say thank you for all these things and so much more. You have blessed us so much. Forgive us when we have ungratefulness in our hearts. Forgive us when we fail to give you the things that you and you alone deserve. But Lord, at the same time, help us, prod our hearts, convict our spirits, direct us, remind us to often give you thanks for your many, many blessings, to be a thankful people, to walk in an attitude of gratitude. Keep our eyes focused on you and all that you've done for us. And Lord, for that person that might be here today who does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray through something that's been said, something that has been sung, something that has been shared in this service today, that maybe today they begin to look at their heart and they see their need for a Savior. Oh Lord, I pray they'll come running to Jesus today. Draw them to yourself. Give them the grace they need to trust you and to turn their life over to you. If you're here today and you've never been saved, in just a moment as we stand to our feet and sing a hymn of invitation, I'm going to be standing down front. I would ask you today, if God's knocking at your heart's door, you know you need to give your heart and your life to him. As we're singing, would you step out from where you're standing? Would you make your way down front? Just take me by the hand and say, Pastor Ken, I need to give my heart and my life to Jesus. And that's really all you need to say. We'll have one of our staff members take you to the back and privately for just a few moments share with you from the Bible how you can give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ and meet him today as your personal Lord and Savior. Well, you walk out of here a changed person. Would you come today? And then, Christian, if God has spoken to your heart, there's other decisions on you. For you, you respond as God has spoken to you. Lord, this is our prayer. Help us as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stay.